0: Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening and welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. This is Deb Crow, your host, and we are live on a sunny, beautiful, warm, almost summer night on June the 7th, 2017. So I'm really, really excited that you've tuned in to listen. And I have an absolute treat for you tonight. I have the pleasure of interviewing Sandy Mitchell from Book Three. And I have a confession to make. I have a girl crush on Sandy because the synergy and what she represents as an entrepreneur globally, if I might add, I love her energy. I love her spirit. I, I've spoken with her several times over the past couple of years. And let me just give you a little bit of an intro of the magnificence that she created and what she represents. Sandy is a certified executive coach, and she has created and uses the APEX Leadership System, which is trademarked. And it it exemplifies awareness, performance, excellence, extraordinary leadership. Sandy also specializes in emotional intelligence through negotiation. She has an EQ negotiation program, which she has also trademarked. She is an internationally sought speaker and she loves and connects so well to her audiences because she's just exceptional in how she communicates. She's motivating, she's inspiring. And when you listen to her, you just really want to look at, at your inner genius, which is another coaching program that she has also trademarked. So, into the Change Book Radio Show. Have I got Sandy on the line? So, have I got you there, Sandy? So, I'll just wait a minute for Sandy yep. to come on. Are you there?
1: <laughs> I'm here, I'm here, sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. What a great intro. I'm gonna I'm gonna well, travel you with me. <laughs> you know
0: what? You you
1: are my girl crush. I had to save that for <laughs> for being on live
0: radio. Yeah.
1: You know
0: I I love as entrepreneurs that we we strive to excel and and really do well in all that we do. But one of the things that I want to talk about with you is we always need a mentor and we always need someone to look up to. And I, I truly honestly want to say to you, I, I look up to you greatly for the work that you're doing. And I, I love how you represent yourself and I love your energy and the gratitude that you exude. Who does Sandy Mitchell look up to?
1: Well, I think this is a great Question and it may not go the direction you're, you're thinking. I have designated uh, God as the chairman of the board <laughs> for my company, and every morning we have board meetings, and I love it because it really helps me focus in on what we need to do. Uh, and as far as human mentors, I have uh, I have a couple. Uh, one who is local here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, Lynn O'Neill. She has really taken me under her wing and has taught me how to have a business, not just a hobby, right? Like a lot of entrepreneurs. They're really hobbyists and it's an expensive hobby <laughs> versus having a real business. And uh and then I have another one from New York, Siobhan O'Leary, who has really Promoted me throughout, uh, really throughout the world, and, and been a great advocate for me and, and a great uh, mentor in learning how to communicate with people in the way that they're uh, most involved, most excited, most engaged with you.
0: Well, I, I love the chairman of your board. I, I can also <laughs> say that I have on my board, and we have regular meetings. And Mm -hmm. I love that part of your branding is all about awareness and, and really looking at emotional intelligence. So I also have an emotional intelligence board and, and the, and the head of that board is mother Teresa. So isn't that funny that Ah. we look to these religious figures as, as strategies and, and just giving us the know-how of what we need to do, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. So I love that about you, and, and remember, I'm the GPS on this interview, so it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> lead up where we go. Okay. Excellent. So my my first question is, you were in one of the first books. You were in number three. Mm-hmm. How did you connect with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, and what really drew you to our global community, and what has it done? So it's kind of a two part question. <laughs> and what has being part of the community led for you and your business? What has it brought you to?
1: Yeah. Oh, great. So Jim Britt reached out to me and said that they had been doing some research and found me and and thought that I would be a great fit for this. And researching Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, I was, of course I want to be involved with them. They are rock stars in, in their industries, right? And so the more I have been playing with this because it's been three years, I think, now since um, since book three. I have really connected with several people who are authors in a variety of books. Uh, I've been to the Vault Experience with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, which really continued to enhance my focus on the important, not just the interesting. <laughs> And I think they've helped me take my business up to another level.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And you're leading in beautifully to my next question. First of all, I want to say how proud I am of you. I know that you recently just received an award, and I would love for you to tell the listeners about how that came about, that you were flying to another country to speak, and, and just that whole experience, because I want it to be, your story to tell and I just I just want you to know I just I feel as humbled and honored that you got that recent and what happened.
1: Excellent. Thanks Deb. So I went to India in May. I was asked to speak at the Women's Economic Forum, which is a part of the World Economic Forum. And it was an amazing experience. There was probably close to 2,000 women leaders from over 150 countries and I got to be one of the speakers and they had me do two things. I knew there were two things that I was doing when I I got there. One was speaking in front of all 2,000 and then one was doing a breakout session on emotional intelligence and leadership and when I talked about in front of the whole group, they wanted me to talk about uh, unconscious bias and how that affects the way we communicate with the world and after doing that, it was just one of those moments. You know, you've got those moments that y- you don't really remember what you said, but you knew it was good. I mean, I really connected with the audience, and we had such a such a in the moment, really being present time. And uh, and I had so many people come talk to me afterwards. And and while I was up there, I didn't realize this was happening. While I was up there, I got an award, which was really exciting, called the Iconic Women Creating a Better World for All, and it so touched me that um, what I was doing is being seen. You know, you, we do a lot of things for the world, and we don't really <laughs> necessarily tout it or or think that other people are noticing. And so just getting that award was a a huge, it was a huge event for me. Uh, I was very humbled by it.
0: Well, and I think it's well-deserved. And one of the things that I really admire about you is I know you're traveling and you have a big international presence, but I would almost describe you to people as a quiet leader, And the reason I say that is here you are in India, traveling all the way from Texas, and you're there thinking, you know, you're working, you're speaking. And the next thing, you're getting an award that you didn't even know, A, existed, B, that you were the recipient. And then tell the listeners what happened, because you landed up having some partnerships from your original speak. And and like you said, living in that moment and what was the outcome with a few of the people that you met and, and are going to be doing future collaboration with?
1: Yeah, the fun thing about that is that there were, there were a lot of, of breakout sessions because they had it. the conference went for six days. And I ended up being asked by three of the workshop speakers to come and speak with them in their workshops so that was a really a a lot of fun and then i also really connected with uh, a woman in sri lanka who has the number one training company over there and we're going to be doing uh, work together and i also connected with a woman in senegal who is tasked with creating a an entrepreneurial program for women in the university at at, uh, Dakar and so i'm going to be helping her put all that together and it's really exciting how one referral is turning into commitments across the globe which will in turn change people's lives uh, all over the world it's it's exciting you never know how one word will change your life
0: well exactly and just being open receiving that, which mm-hmm. I know you are, and I, I know you live humbly and gratefully every day, and I, I know you have a gratitude practice that I want to talk about, but I love what you said. Sometimes I will be speaking on stage, and I remember saying this to Jim Britt, and I'm speaking, but I don't feel like I'm even in my body, and I'm kind of thinking mm-hmm. about the words coming out of my you know, described it. Just this greatness as a communicator, and almost like a deja vu moment—not to sound cliche, but just know that you're where you're supposed to be. Moment, and that that message was to get to those people. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just—I really believe that's
1: when you're. uh, Yeah, I I really believe that's when you're tapping into the wisdom of the world, right? When you are that uber connected. um, Wonderful.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, we joked before we started the live broadcast here, and we're both in our 50s, and I I really Mm -hmm. want to talk about this, because (laughs) I thought, you know, I turned 40, and I thought, oh, life's just beginning, you know, all the cliches, but I'm not a number person, I don't feel 51, I don't think I look 51, I know I don't always act 51, it's just such a number, but what I want to talk to you about and convey to our listeners is it is a number, but I just, I'm so in tune with who I am and what I'm about and really like wealth. And I think knowing yourself, the way you exude it, the way I feel I exude it, I just think it's just such a, an unparalleled level of confidence. And, and we joked about it before we came on live and, just share with the listeners what you were saying about being fifty five and who you are and and what you 're feeling about that now and where you are. Maybe touch on it personally and professionally.
1: yeah, I was saying that uh, i don 't know if it was like when I turned fifty but but definitely when I left corporate and I've started my own business almost uh, four and a half years ago, one of the things that I decided was that I am the owner of my business and I don't have to do anything that I'm not passionate about. And so I don't really care what, <laughs> this is so bad to say, I don't care what other people think. And so I am focusing on those things that make me excited, that make me happy, that make me energized, that make me passionate. And uh, and my business is successful because of that. Also, my grandfather is <laughs> – is 99 and a half. He says, when you get to that age, you get to say the half again. And, uh, we at Easter this year, we were going into a, a room that had a little dance floor. And so he's, uh, he's, I have a video of him doing a little jig on the dance floor. And I'm like, that's what I want to continue to be. Right. I want to be able to dance through life, no matter how old I am and have a blast.
0: Well, I think you will, because I'm with you. I want to be 100. Now, mm-hmm. I know I'm 51, so I know the Queen won't be here. So I won't get the letter from the Queen, <laughs> but we will get it from William and Kate for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Now, I, one of the things may, is that I, I get won't. to play... We will. We both will. I know we will. Hey, you only got a couple of years. Well, they send it to Absolutely. someone in Texas? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure right. there's some... I think... I don't know if it's in North America, but I know when you hit 100, you do get a letter from the Queen.
1: How so, much? I
0: mean, and she's across the pond in England, so I don't think there's a, a geography <laughs> uh, boundary to that. Uh
1: huh. I right. get
0: the privilege of interviewing all of the co-authors in the Change Book series, and, and part of what I love is letting you know what part of your chapter resonated with me, and you're in book number mm-hmm. three, and I, I love... I love the title of your chapter, Strengthening Your Inner Genius, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I wanted to just read a couple of paragraphs that kind of grabbed me. And I've, I, I read this when I came into the change, which was two years ago. And I always reread the chapter where I interview the co-author and there's, again, when you reread something, there's always those golden little nuggets that you grab out of it. So I'm just going to take okay. a moment and read for the listeners a little bit out of your chapter, okay? Great. So, Thank again, you. this is uh, Sandy Mitchell's chapter in book called Inner Genius. And this was, a, uh, this was my kind of attention-grabbing paragraph that I, I read it and I wanted to reread it. So here we go. Gratitude. The 2013 study said only 13% of employees globally engage at work. This indicates that only one in eight workers commits to the job and makes positive contributions. Consider how that attitude of disengagement, negativity, and apathy affects people not only at work, but also in their home and social lives as well. Most are listening to their inner critics. An attitude of gratitude changes people's lives. How do you bring more gratitude into your life? One way is reminding ourselves where we have been at our best, felt gratitude when we have listened to our inner genius and thus succeeded. And then Sandy goes on to give some simple gratitude exercises like thank you notes, a gratitude lookout, putting things in perspective. And so on and so forth. My little, my little app for the listeners. So, Sandy, I wanted to ask you what is your daily practice of gratitude? And, and has that modality changed for you over the years, or do you have a few different things that you tend to practice?
1: Yeah, I think especially since I've had my own business, I've been really intentional about the gratitude. I've always done it. I've always been a, an optimistic, grateful, seeing the, the happy side of life type of person. But ever since I started my business, I felt like the intentionality of that really makes a difference and and the more i get into neuroscience the more i realize that it really causes chemical changes in the brain and um and i want that <laughs> i want to to have a a healthy happy uh happy brain and so what i do there's a couple of times that i specifically work on gratitude the first one is uh last thing at night i have a journal that i write down you know what are the what are the top 3 things that i'm grateful for uh for that day and then I focus on what are, what are the things, my top three priorities for the next day. And then right before I fall asleep, I really think about a question that I want to ask my brain. And it's usually about something that I want to achieve. Um, for example, right now, the one that I'm working on is I want to be able to make $30,000 in the next three months. So the question that I've been asking myself for the last three days is um, how do I how do I get that and let my brain work on it while I'm sleeping and when I wake up it's amazing the types of ideas that come to my head. So the first thing I do in the morning is I uh, say my prayers, you know, thanking uh, God for all these ideas. I write down what the ideas are. What I'm really going to focus on in the morning, and how I am grateful about how they play into the life. So how how those things are actually going to help me make a difference? Because that's the big thing for me. I want to be able to leave a legacy that people are better when I when I'm gone. And um, and one of the things I do every Friday. I saw a picture of this somewhere. I don't remember where, so I started doing it this year. So every Friday, I have one of you know those. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Post-it notes. I have I have these post-it notes, and I write down what's the big thing I'm the most grateful for for that week, and I'm just throwing them in a jar. And the intention is that on July uh, July on December 31st, I'll go back and I'll look at all of the things that I have said that I'm grateful for for the year, and I'm really excited about. It. <laughs> Going back and seeing what I wrote, because I think, you, as I say in the in the chapter, right, and I say in a lot of my classes, what you focus on, your brain gives you more of. So if you focus on your inner critics, if you focus on the things that are going wrong, if you focus on negativity, your brain will conti- will want to prove those things true, so we will give you more opportunities. It's kind of like when you buy a red car and you haven't really seen it before, but all of a sudden all you see are red cars on the highway. Same thing with your inner genius. If you focus on the positivity, if you focus on the things you're grateful for, if you focus on the the goodness in life, your brain will find more opportunities to show you that that is true, that your life is full of gratefulness and happiness and positivity.
0: I, I'm sitting here smiling listening to you because, I also have a jar, and on mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, I dump them all out because they're all on colored Post-it notes. So I'm just uh-huh, sitting here yeah, going, exactly. "Okay, just another little bit of synergy." Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you a very personal story. Actually, um, my oldest daughter had a car accident four years ago. Um, actually, in a couple of days, June ninth is the anniversary. And she sustained a brain injury. And my background is is uh, neuroscience. And I was a case manager for 23 years for people with neurotrauma. And mm. it's just interesting how we become full circle. So in the midst of having to slow down my speaking and coaching because I couldn't travel anymore because she's still not able to drive, I thought okay, where do I find the gratitude in this moment? And what can I do to give some self-care and self-love back to me to keep me going as the mom and and the glue of the family, keeping everything, all the wheels turning? And volunteer at hospice. And when we talked about speaking in front of a crowd and saying something and really having that, moment where you embrace the audience i was speaking to a thousand women it was um uh not last november the november before and i remember the room being so quiet that a pin could drop and i was mm-hmm. um showcasing the change book after the fact and i can't tell you how many women came to my booth in tears that wanted to buy a book for themselves and one for their daughter And just being able to get out of yourself to figure out how can I cope? How can I move on? How can I give gratitude at a time in my life when everything's, you know, gone for a shit, for lack of a better phrase? And (laughs) you go and help somebody else. And when I sit with those people at the end of their life, it's the same feeling for me as being on that stage that you described because it is such an honor and a privilege. And many people are alone at the end of life. And when they ask you to hold their hand and they tell you their story, every time I walk out of that building, I just, again, I can't even verbally express it to you, but I feel like a weight's off my shoulder and I feel that I'm put there for a really, specific reason, not only for those patients, but also for myself. So I really love the way you framed that. And people think when things aren't going right, that that's not part of the plan. And, you know, you're seeing the Internet and everybody's kind of on their soapbox right now saying how you have to have all these failures for success. When I read your chapter and I listen to how you express yourself, correct me if I'm wrong, I would say that Sandy Mitchell would disagree with that because if you're going to focus on the failures, that's not the way of thinking or tapping into your inner critic or inner genius that you would portray. So if I was in the audience asking you that, saying, you know what, Sandy, I'm hearing all these entrepreneurs and coaches and speakers and authors say that I have to do all these failures before I'm truly going to be a success. How would you tap that into your gratitude analogy? And am I, am I right in surmising that about how you project
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that the people who live in those levels of fear and anger and fight or flight, there is a lot of failure. Everything is black and white, good and bad, right or wrong, failure or success, right? But I live at a higher level of energy and my level is about there's no such thing as failure or success it's about opportunities and um, the example I love to give on this is the guy from 3M who was tasked with creating super glue uh, and he failed and um, but he thought it was an interesting because he came up with this tacky stuff and a couple of years later he was singing in a choir but his paper kept falling and they wouldn't let him put scotch tape on it because it would ruin the music. And all of a sudden it occurred to him, you know, that failure that I had (laughs) two years ago, how perfect would that be to be able to hold this up and not ruin the paper? And it became 3M's biggest selling uh, product, right? So it's not about failure. It's about what do you learn? What are you going to do next? Now, what wouldn't it be cool? If what are the opportunities that come from this? One of the examples, Deb, that I like to use a lot in in gratitude with my clients is is even in – and especially even in the hard times, uh, asking yourself the question, what's the gift in this? And sometimes it's really hard for people to answer that in the middle of the hardship or the loss or whatever the problem is, Uh, but the more you can ask your question – to to your brain what's the gift in this your brain will start to look for how can i use this what's the purpose in this what's the gift and for you with your daughter think about the type of quality time that you're getting with her and what you're being able to do in speaking about it to all of these people in the world and how it's affecting their lives and letting them step up and see things in a different light because if you didn't share that, many people would still be walking around in this negative uh, world and not realize that there could be a gift in this horrific thing that happened.
0: Oh, I fully agree with you. And, and my daughter will joke, um, her name is Christine, and she'll say, Mom, I just, I can't handle the cheerleader speech today. Like, put the pom-poms <laughs> away. I said, uh-huh. no, they're coming out. They're getting refluxed, and, and we got a new cheer going. Because I'm, what am I doing? I am I am modeling a appropriate, positive behavior that's consistent, and I'm not going to enable her to have avoidance or frustration because you know what? She's still here in the wheelchair. I'm finding all the things that did not happen to her. And that's the way that I frame it for her. And she wants to be a nurse. And she just got waitlisted uh for our local university. And again, there was disappointment. And I said, you weren't accepted, but you weren't declined. You're sitting on a lift. Like the probability of you getting in is still very high. And it's all in how we frame it and look at it, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Cause it's, it's not about being Pollyanna, right? You can, you can look at opportunities and see which ones will work, which ones won't where, I mean, cause we all dip down, right? We all dip down into that victim mentality that, Oh, what well, was me? The thing is you're, you're, the choice that you have is do I want to wallow in it or do I want to do a resilience bounce out of it
0: oh I like that I'm a bouncer are you a bouncer
1: mm-hmm. absolutely
0: I'm I'm I, was, I'm I was oh you're a tigger there you go I, I was laughing about your 3m story and I'll tell you why my sister-in-law works at 3m I live oh, yeah. in a I live in a subdivision behind uh, one of the corporate headquarters here in Canada, and the gentleman that you're speaking of, his name is Art Fry, and I actually met him. I met him in my 20s, and just a cool guy, and like the best mistake ever, because who Uh does not love Post-it notes? Like, I am an (laughs) Office Depot junkie. I love all the colors. I love all the sizes.
1: (laughs) And
0: I, yeah, and I had the pleasure of meeting him at a conference when I first started my business, i was 24. And um, he was one of the speakers. And then of course, 3M had a booth there giving out all little uh, goodies Uh for our our handout bag. And it's it's just funny, the synergy that we have, the world is really a small place when we think about it. Now, I want to talk to you about you've trademarked a lot of things with your business. And mm-hmm. where did you come up with, or was it an experience for you? How did you adapt the Inner Genius coaching program? Because I know you've trademarked it, and I talked a little bit about what it represents, but just give us a little snippet of. If someone came to you and wanted to hire you as their executive coach, is this the program that you use under the APEX Leadership System umbrella? Just give us a bit of insight.
1: Yeah, I, I found that almost all, well, the, everybody in the world, right, we, ha- we all have these inner critics and, these, and this inner genius. They don't call it that. Some people call it um, their gremlins," some people call it the stupid voices in my head. Some people call it tapes. Um, some people call the the inner genius their um the sage or the inner coach, or you know whatever whatever you want to call God right um, the inner critics can be the saboteurs. there's all different kinds of names, and what I've found is just by helping people. Name it I, I actually for for many of my clients, I have them sit down and <laughs> in in fact, in one of my workshops, I have them create a wanted poster for their inner genius. And in the wanted poster they they name it, so like one of mine is the general manager of the universe because I have to be in control, right, of everything. (laughs) It has to be really good. Everything has to be really good. So uh, they have to be in charge of everything. So that's what I've named it. And then what are some of the lies that they say? What are some of the characteristics that they have? What emotions do they bring out in you? Because what I find is your inner critics live inside your subconscious. We created them to help fulfill laws rules that we created but they've been in our subconscious for so long that we don't realize how much they are affecting the way we talk the way we interact and the decisions that we make so by naming it by recognizing what are the words that it uses when it talks to me what are the emotions that come up in me when it when it starts talking what are some of the lies that it's saying that It wants me to recognize that – well, like my my general manager of the universe, right? One of the lies that it tells me is that uh, the harder I work, the more reward I will get, which is untrue. It sounds really good, and it's espoused throughout the world, but it's not true. It's the quality of work that you put out. So when you lay these things out in black and white or in color, uh, as my people like to do with the wanted posters – Then you start to recognize when those phrases come up, when those emotions come up, when those lies come up, you start to recognize that's not me talking. That's this inner critic. So then, again, you get to go back and make a choice. How true is it? And um, and that's when you get to decide, do I want to listen to it? Do I want to expend all the energy that I have on what it's saying? Or do I want to say, you know, thanks for popping up. Uh, I've got it from here. And you go on and do what you, what your inner genius tells you instead.
0: It's, it, you know, I'm listening and I'm hearing you and I can see people saying, well, that sounds so logical and so common sense, (laughs) but it's, but it's Uh like every other strategy and modality, but why aren't they doing it? And again, it goes back to that neuroscience piece. And Mm -hmm. again, I love your own strategy. So, The cognition behind what you talked about, uh, thinking, you know, you've got a financial goal for the next 90 days, which is awesome, and and you'll probably Mm -hmm. crush it because that's just who you are. When we give that gratitude and then we put that awareness of our thoughts in our minds before we're going to go into a rested state and get into that REM, that very deep sleep, that stage four sleep, it's... The on-ramp to the subconscious, but the beauty of it is, is you're exiting and pushing the emotion to the side because you're going to sleep now. So you have no time to let that inner critic, as you so eloquently talk about, creep in because you're going to sleep. You've asked yourself a question: How am I going to hit that goal in 90 days? You get relaxed. You're going to bed. Emotions go on snooze for however many hours, and it allows that subconscious to really get in there and, and, and deal with the depths of what you want to see come out of that. So when you wake up refreshed and, and you stated that you have all these great ideas, doesn't surprise me. Sometimes I get them between 3 and 4 a.m., and I have to keep a pen and a pad beside my bed mm-hmm. because it's... <laughs> this down because I'm going to I won't remember this when I get up and I get up somewhere Uh between five and seven because you just we do our best work in those early morning hours without all the interruptions because we're just so laser focused. So I fully know that that system works. So I'm not surprised that you are also practicing that. Now, you shared a really lovely story with me that I want to just talk about for a minute because I I said to you, I love your long hair, you've grown your hair, and, and you shared something with me. And I'd love for you to tell the listeners, because I think it's just another wonderful aspect of who you are as a person and what you represent. And I just think it's a lovely story. So would you share that with the listeners?
1: Sure. My uh, aunt died last July from uh, brain cancer. It was really fast. We It, it was two months between us having it diagnosed and and having it um, take her her life and so one of the things that I thought I could do is to grow my hair because I've I am I am a um, I've got a lot of Cherokee in me and so my hair is really thick and and dark and so I thought well if i Grow my hair, then I can give it to the Locks for Love, who creates wigs for women with cancer. And um, I know that was one of the things that was devastating for her. That even in that short period of time, she had to had some hair loss. And it's such a such a simple thing to do, and um, and done greatly with love.
0: I was just having a little moment. I just. My niece did the same thing and it's for me, it's just a full circle moment because I shared with you, you know, I sit with those people who are in hospice and most of them are terminally ill with cancer and it may seem like a small gesture, but to those people, just being able to have a beautiful wig and it makes them feel good, even though they don't really feel good. I just, just, it's just another inspiring aspect of who you
1: are, Sandy. Mm, Thank you.
0: Now, I wanted you to touch upon, because I know that you met my fellow Canadian and friend Maggie Slider at the yes. vault, and I would love for you to share your experience and talk about to the listeners, because I know they're going to be running another one soon. What, why did you decide to go to the vault? What drew it to you? And what did you get out of the experience?
1: Well, I think probably the the main impetus in the beginning was just because I simply wanted to actually meet Jim Britt and Jim Lutz. I've talked to them on the phone many times, but I'd never actually met them. And then the second reason I wanted to go is that they talked about the ability in two days or an hour (laughs) to be able to let go of things. And it was stunning the 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 work with NLP and the, and the work that they they both put into this and and how they can lead a small group of people ability to to let go of things that are holding them back and it really be let go not just in the moment yay everything is great uh, it's what is this june it's been It's been five months now, and that thing that I let go is still gone so i i am I'm infinitely fascinated by the brain and how how deep it is and all the changes that can happen uh, if we just focus. I highly recommend no. it.
0: I, I, I'm thinking about attending a future one for sure, and I met Jim and Jim in California, it was two years ago, and I remember when I went to leave, I just started to cry, and Jim Lutz was mm-hmm. like, dead. Deb, Deb, like we're gonna see it <laughs> again. Like it's you know. Uh-huh. And Jim and Jim Britt just gave me a big hug because he's very fatherly to me. And I haven't yes. had a dad since I was twenty one. And I just oh. I get what you're saying. I I can sit in a room and listen to the two of them. They could say the same thing over and over in a different way, and you're still gonna grab a nugget. Like they are just uh-huh. so exceptional in how they communicate and speak, but I think that their inner genius, let's pull a little of your analogy here, their inner (laughs) Mm -hmm. genius is how they quickly develop rapport and really are beautiful listeners. And there's a lot of people out there who do not listen with the intent of listening. They're listening to respond to whatever Mm -hmm. you're saying to them. And that's, that's a skill that I've always worked on. I had an Irish Nana, and she used to say to me, You're to listen twice as long. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth.
1: (laughs) And I, and I heard that
0: from when I was a young, young girl. And, and I, Mm -hmm. I often get complimented, not only just in my professional career, but also at hospice. Family members Mm -hmm. will say, you remembered when my mom or dad told you that, or I just have these, I call them meaningful moments, but When I'm, I love having intellectual stimulating conversation. It's like my number one thing to do, which is probably why I love this radio show so much because every Wednesday night I'm traveling somewhere and having just a beautiful conversation. And I love showcasing how talented this community is. But with Mm -hmm. Jim and Jim, I just feel a privilege of being able to, you know, send a quick text message to get a question answered, or I talk to them almost every week on the phone, and there's so many co-authors that have yet to tap into their brilliance, and I'm not sure why they haven't, but it's it's not for me to, you know, give any comment, but they're there. Like, why would you not tap into their
1: brilliance? Yeah, in fact, I just, I, uh, Jim Lutz has been on my mind all day, so I just sent him a little note saying, hey, you're on my mind, got you in my prayers, and he goes, let's talk tomorrow. I'm open all day. They're so available. Um, take advantage of the, the, majesty is the word that's coming. It's I know. not the right word, but take take advantage of, of the, the the openness and the mastery that they have for you.
0: I think I'm going to coin them tonight on our interview as sovereign beings. (laughs) Diana Allen from France um, called me that and I laughed and I said to her, oh, you really think I'm sovereign? I think Jim and Jim are sovereign. And Mm -hmm. I always like to take an opportunity of connecting co-authors who I think really are synergetic and and like-mindedness. And have you connected with Julie Anderson out of Northern California? No. Well, I'm going to introduce you two ladies because um, she is Julie, the Brain Lady Anderson. And since (laughs) you're moving into the the neuroscience and it's a real uh, interest of you, I just really see you two doing something together. Um, Her passion for neuroscience and cognition and just teaching and leading and just being a woman of excellence. I just really see you two being synergistic. So I'm gonna make that connection for you. But like Excellent. always, I I love the synergy of this group. And again, I, I kind of feel like I'm the concierge. I'm in the middle of the circle and <laughs> I meet someone and I'm the like, hey you met someone I'm the connector. I'm the mm-hmm. resilience bouncer. There you go. So tell us, we got a few minutes left. Tell us what's what do you've got? What have you got coming up for the rest of 2017? Because I know that you've got a lot of projects on the go and you're doing a lot of speaking. So, what uh, what are what does the next
1: six months look like for you? Yeah, I've just signed a couple of uh, clients that I'm going to be doing executive retreats for the leaders and then masterminds for that next level, that mid mid management level um, to really help them hone their leadership skills. And, and how do we do it in a way that we have intentional culture? Um, one of the things that I'm, I've really been focusing on is I, I do a lot around emotional intelligence and I'm doing more and more around conversational intelligence as well, which really develops trust and and makes teams more effective because there is there's this openness uh, in in them and it fits really well in with emotional intelligence so there's a lot of work that I'm doing in helping teams speak in a way that makes them even more effective than they already are and the same with their leaders so I'm doing a lot in that one of the things that I wanted to when you were talking about Julie that occurred to me I I created a book last year. Uh, it's called uh, Coloring Outside the Lines, The Grown-Up's Guide to Increasing Emotional Intelligence. It's a lot of fun. It's it's about uh, the 15 skills of emotional intelligence, and what are some questions? It's kind of like a journal, right? So I, I have some questions that help you start to recognize, where am I already implementing emotional intelligence, and what could I do more? to help implement that skill, but then about halfway through writing it, I got a note from Amazon saying that adult coloring books were trending, so with my art undergrad and um, my love for coloring, and then all my neuroscience stuff, I've got One page is your your coloring neurochemically puts you into a meditative state. And then on the other page, you know, when you're looking at the, at the coloring book, the other page are the questions so that you're actually able to go deeper into the answers of the questions. So it's so much fun and a great way to increase your emotional intelligence skills. So that's uh, go, go out to Amazon and check that out. It's a really, it's a great tool. I found uh, art therapists, are using it and elementary school teachers and high school teachers and universities and um, leaders in corporations. I mean, it's it's being used all over the place and it's a it's a fun tool for what's, serious. What's the business. title of it, Sandy? It's called Coloring Outside the Lines, and then the subtitle is A grown Up's Guide to Increasing Emotional Intelligence.
0: Julie Anderson's gonna she or she's just gonna love it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's just so to But isn't it synergistic just to
0: listen to you and, and it's just so similar? Like, I'm getting that feeling of, you know, how much I feel you two need to connect, and I, I just see Excellent. it. And I just let's reinforce to the other co-authors like I'm hoping you and I get an opportunity to collaborate on Mm -hmm. something because I also have a neuroscience background and we both have done a lot of speaking and teaching and leadership. So, again, you know, we just have to put ourselves out there and align with others who share the same Mm -hmm. level of branding and professionalism and just like you said just bringing goodwill across the world, which we are already doing with the book series. And we all have our own little individual expertise that we bring to the table. So I just want to encourage other authors to reach out and even to say hello. And I have another friend in Texas. Like how cool is that?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I've got to come to Canada now.
0: You have to come to Canada. I we are we are Maggie Slider is working on an event and is looking for co-authors oh, to cool. collaborate. So connect with her on that because, you know, I, I think it would be wonderful to have you come up and talk about, you know, your coaching program and what you've developed mm-hmm. with the inner genius and the inner critic and just now that you're, you know, working in India and just all of those educational initiatives that you're doing there. I just, it just makes my heart smile because you're teaching them some emotional intelligence from a different vantage point. Mm -hmm. And there's no geographical boundaries. And to me, I think that's that's the way the world's supposed to be. And I, and the world could use that right now.
1: You know, what's funny, Deb, is I've been traveling for years. And uh, in the beginning when I traveled, it was to see all the differences in the world, and now it's all about where are the commonalities, and there are so many it's It's wonderful being on the other side of the world, and we all focus on love and growth and wanting the best for people it's It's a beautiful thing
0: I could not agree more. Well, I told you this interview was going to go fast. Does it feel like we've been <laughs> speaking for forty five fifty minutes? No, we have. <laughs> So I just, I want to say how nice it is to connect with you again, and I want to congratulate you again on the award that you just got in India, and I just really, really hope that you are so proud of yourself, because it certainly is deserving, and I love the work that you're doing, because you're setting a model for all the young girls who are looking up to older women to see what they can aspire and and inspire to be as they grow up, and Mm -hmm. I just We will end up doing something together. I'm putting it out there right now. Fabulous. Can't wait. And send me a picture when you get your haircut, because I know it'll just be beautiful. And I I just think (laughs) it's such a blessing that some wonderful person will get your beautiful locks of love. And uh, I hope you have a great summer and we'll keep in touch. And thanks for hanging out with me on the Change Book Radio Show.
1: Thank you, Deb. Enjoy your summer in the boat.
0: I will. You take care, Sandy. Bye. I'm just sitting here in awe because just another amazing interview with Sandy Mitchell from, from book number three. And I have the whole library of the Change Book series uh, in my home office on my bookshelf. And I think I have read pretty much every chapter from book one to book 13 that I'm just waiting to get. And I think we are halfway through book 14 being completed and the wisdom from the global presence that we have just continues to amaze me and the walks of life that we all bring. So I wanted to close out this week by giving you a summary of the phone call on Monday night that Jim and Jim do for us. The first Monday night of every month, 4 p.m. Pacific time, and they usually talk anywhere from 40 to 60 minutes. Jim Britt, uh, or excuse me, Jim Lutz talked about uh, three things. He talked about being focused, being disciplined, and he talked about social media. And the commonality of the three topics were, Not to take people out of the people business, because we can get so wrapped up in this technology-dependent society that we now live in. But you have a choice of how much you want to participate. Nothing will ever take away a face-to-face conversation for me, having that intellectual conversation with someone. And that really hit home with me. And I like to pride myself on being a good communicator. And Jim Britt talked about the fly on the window and the analogy of how he hits his head. And, and he knows eventually that he's going to get through the window. And he also talked about working smarter, not harder. And that practice makes perfect. And you can have passion. And sometimes you're going to have a temporary setback, but that's okay. Okay as long as you have the fuel to provide yourself to move forward with your passion, you have to keep going. And Jim also talked about looking at who you are and really thinking about what you love and what you're worth. And I just really found that those tools were so, so powerful. And just engaging in who you are and and mentoring much like, Sandy and I were talking about tonight, mentoring other people. And there's no greater feeling than that in the world. So I want to thank you for joining me tonight on the Change Book Radio Show. And next week, I have a special treat. I will be interviewing an international author all the way from Malaysia. And her name is Alini. And I'm really, really excited to interview her. And she's from Book 6. So thanks so much for tuning in. This is Deb Crow, your host from the Change Book Radio Show. I hope everyone has a great week, and we'll be back next Wednesday night live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care.